Ah, here it is, another Saturday in CCO land when we have a show called A Wine Chat, and it's brought to us by our good friends at uh, Haskell's. And normally we would talk with Jack Farrell, but we're going to be talking with our friend and son, Jack's son, not mine, Ted Farrell, uh, this morning. We're going to be uh, uh, connecting him with with any, any second right now, and I'm sure... This has been one of those days, I tell you. And besides that, it is the birthday of WCCO Radio. No, we don't have the same equipment as we had 97 years ago. Maybe we do in some some elements of the building. But uh, in, in a moment or two, we're going to be hearing from uh, Ted Farrell from uh, Haskell's. And, of course, uh, Ted's. Uh, we had such a great time, not only with Ted, but with his brother, Bo, when we visited uh, Sonoma County on a couple of good neighbor tours. Uh, Ted, I was just reminiscing about uh, our trips to Sonoma County and what a gr- great fun times we had back then. But I, uh, but I, uh, uh, I'm, I'm reminiscing, I'm getting a little too sentimental at this time of the morning. I guess we well, should, we, we had, should. We, we had such a great time. You should be sentimental. I mean, touring those areas with such great people, had such great meals, such great times, great experiences. It's easy to wax. It should be sentimental. I mean, touring those areas with such great people, had such great meals, such great times, great experiences. It's easy to wax nostalgic about Sonoma just because it's so pretty. And I, th- I think about, <clears throat> excuse me, I know we're getting off on another tangent here, but I think about the terrible fires that have been going on in California since uh, even before we, uh, we we made our trips there. Uh, and you have, I know, another topic to talk about, but what what what's happening with uh, with these, I see these news stories, and I thought I got to talk to Ted or Jack or somebody to find out what's happening there with the wine. Well, you still see them, you still see them raging about, but at least in certain districts they're getting uh, affected. But you know, other districts not. But it was about four or five years ago where they just ripped through Napa and Sonoma and certain places that you did see. There was a hotel we always stayed at uh, for about three or four years that literally just got wiped clean off the the map, and they had to rebuild. And so you're seeing that, you know, but the only crazy thing is I remember for years going up there thinking this place looks like a tinderbox anyways, because everything's always very dry. You know, the, the switchgrass is always golden. You know, the reason why they called the golden straight, I think, is all the switchgrass they had. And, you know, it, it always seemed to be a tinderbox. You just wondered when it was going to go. And unfortunately, it finally did. Yeah, it it is just an amazing amazing story or stories how these survive these people survive. Uh, what's what's going on today? What can we talk about today uh, on our well? Show? I'm calling in because the old man's off to Italy. Uh, he's doing a tour through Tuscany and then going down to Rome to meet the Pope. I guess the Vatican needs a new gymnasium because they have a bunch of donors that are wanting to go there and I don't know get the kids a new uh, gymnasium for the Pope. So you got me today, and today we're going to talk about you know granted. There's all kinds of things to always talk about with the wine world. But today, you know, uh, we could talk about, I know my own man covered it a little bit last week, but just kind of wines of the fall. You know, the one thing I've always said is, you know, much like your wardrobe, when you change into a season, you should change your wines. And now is the time of year where you start drinking a little bit heavier, bigger, more robust wines, more flavor, because, you know, it's not as hot as it once was where you're sipping a Sauvignon Blanc on there. And one thing I like to always recommend during the fall, especially with people who like to have game and pheasant, dove, and all these critters that the people bring in, is a Viognier. And Viognier, unique grape variety that comes from the south of France, 
in and around the Rhone Valley. That's one of their principal white wine varietals. If you taste with it, it's a little bit more full. It's a little bit more viscous. It has a heavier body, uh, almost oily in a sense on your palate. And that's a bad, bad description, especially after car chat. Everyone thinks oil is kind of gross, but it's just a little bit more viscous. It has a little bit more stickiness to it. But the great thing is when you put your nose in there, you get a little bit of that kind of a melon flavor to it. Two of my favorites right now are the Vina Robles uh, out of uh, the southern portion of California, right in that kind of Paso Robles area, but also La Forge Viognier. We talk about La Forge Viognier. Uh, pound for pound, I'd say that's our best Viognier. So if you're kind of wanting to express the fall time with a white wine, uh, that Viognier is just a unique try. You know, people are so used to Chardonnay's or Sauvignon Blancs, and it's so vastly different that it's a terrific wine to try with the fall. But also with your reds, you want to get a little bit heavier. Move away from those like Barbera de Albas and Barbera de Ostis or even Pinot Noirs. You get into something a little bit more heavy like a like a Zinfandel. We just got into this new Zinfandel called Zinfinity. Very fun wine. And I, ironically, uh, as we started the show off, it comes from Sonoma. And Sonoma used to be, or still is, the hot spot for Zinfandel, whether it's the guys from Dry Creek years ago uh, producing it, manufacturing it. But the Zinfinity is something special. Really full, really robust. So if you do have someone in the household that is a hunter or, you know, your next-door neighbor gives you some game, this infinity to match up with it is just something to be delighted for. You know, talk a little bit about the Zin, which is always one of my favorites. Uh, what what can that go with? I used, in fact, many, many years ago, uh, I was talking to your dad uh, about, uh, I don't think I had a Chianti available with some nice nice spicy red sauce. He says, try some Zin with that. And i tell you what, that, that made the deal. I mean, the Zin can well, go with you, a lot of foods. Yes. Well, for years, you know, they always kind of called it the American weed because they, you know, we thought it was our indigenous grape varietal that just kind of cropped up in California or somebody found it, uh, started, uh, you know, intercultural with. Well, actually, what we kind of found out, it was the Primitivo grape that came from the southern portion of Italy, but it, you know the Italian immigrants brought it. No one knew what it was. It was just a great varietal from home. They started planting it readily, and most people used it in California for that. The interesting thing about Zinfandel, you know, it's a, a generally a really rich wine. But the interesting thing, a little bit like a Shiraz, it has that peppery flavor on the finish, a little bit more robust, a bigger one. So that peppery finish goes so well with all kinds of things, especially you know big red meats. I mean, when you tour through Sonoma and Napa in the old days, all they would ever do is like grill you big steaks or big chunks of beef and nothing perfect, nothing better goes with those big red pieces of meat with like Zinfandel. I mean, it's just an enjoyable quaffing wine, but as you're kind of hanging in there with those big red meats, whether it is a big steak or a roast, it just goes so well and it just like hits you right in the right spot of your heart where your your belly's full and you know, life is good and everything's great on God's green earth. Yeah, for sure. If you're just joining us, Ted Farrell's uh, filling in for uh, for Jack Farrell this morning. Jack is is off to Italia, uh, and again, I was thinking about these great Italian wines, and uh, you both and your dad have mentioned uh, Barolo. And why is it that uh, when I when I look for a bottle of Barolo, or at least I used to, uh, it was kind of costly. Well, the Barolo, it's the it's their grape or their wine making process that it's so expensive. First of all, the best Barolos come from the top of the mountains 
the Bree Coast, the very top of the mountain. So there isn't a lot of it being made exactly. But they also age it a lot longer. That they sit and it gets a little bit aged, a little bit almost pruny in a sense, where you get the flavors with that. But they harvest the grapes, they let them almost dry out, then they make wine. So you don't have a lot of juice to start off with, and plus you don't, you know, you don't have a massive demographic area to work from. So that's the interesting thing about Barolos that they are expensive. They're the best of the best in that uh, area up in the Piedmont region, which is literally translates to the foot of the mountains Pied, which is foot. Monte is the mountains, the, and so it's almost you know, all the way up the northwestern side of Italy. But the hook on that is, is just that the, the winemaking process combined with the amount of grapes that they use kind of increases the Barolo because usually they save that for like the top of the hills, the best of the best. So that's one reason why you see the Barolo so expensive, but they're so enjoyable as well. Granted, that is a special wine to sit there and open up if you aren't going to do, a, a, you know, a little bit of rabbit or you're going to, you know, have like a bigger fancier meal. I call it your Sunday meal. Always serve a little Barolo with that. What's going on with uh, uh, South African wines or Spanish wines? Uh, I mean, what what uh, South Africa used to be, um, you know, this is okay, but uh, have they have they progressed in that area? Well, they've been making wine for so long that they. They're always been around. I mean, some of the vineyards are some of the oldest vineyards in the world, dating back to the 1600s, or contiguous vineyards, shall I say, uh, to the 1600s. The un- I don't know whether they just need a new PR firm or what, but for whatever reason, South African wines have never taken off the way you see, you know, like, uh, Australian wines years ago. Uh, you know, their pinotage is their kind of marquee grape that they like to brand and say that they're so great with. Uh, but for some reason, it never translates. And I always have customers that come in the store and say, I had this great pinotage when I was in, you know, went on safari in South Africa, show them a few pinotages. And then I, when they come back, they just sort of, eh, I don't know what it is about it uh, with the South African wines. I mean, they make wonderful Chardonnays. You're seeing all kinds of investments. Uh, in the last 20 years from Europe, where people are jumping down there realizing that real estate was a lot cheaper and they could, you know, develop some bulk brands out of South Africa. But there hasn't been that revolution the way you saw Australia wines really take over in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, where people are just Shiraz happy left and right. Uh, it just hasn't translated. I don't know what it is. Like I said, I think maybe they need a new PR firm or something. Yeah, maybe that's it. That's all they need. How about Spanish wines? Do you have a favorite? Uh, I mean, is is, is Tempranillo, Tempranillo, Tempa, there goes my Spanish from the U, Tempranillo. Uh, Tempranillo that, you have the double, you have the AA, the double L, so you have a Tempranillo. That's right, yes. And that's, uh, it comes from the the word early, Temprano. Uh, what uh, What's with that? That wine seems to go with a lot of food. Well, what you're seeing with Spain, it's, yeah, a bit of a revolution or just a huge migration of the Spanish wines coming over across the ocean, where originally everybody would focus on Rioja. Rioja was their kind of marquee area to grow uh, world-class wines. It happened right after the phylloxera hit in Spain, where a lot of Bordelais then started investing down in Rioja. And they grow the Tempranillo grape down there, and there's one of the principal grapes inside of Rioja. But then what you're kind of finding is all these other different areas of Spain that have always produced wine and quite frankly up until about you know 
30 years ago, they were making really bad wine. Oftentimes, the Spanish, you know, would put them in these bodegas, these huge pots. They'd almost sit outside, and they'd get kind of matterized and funky. And with a little bit of technology, a little bit of influence from the states, or just the international exchange of wine ideas, these uh, Spanish winemakers are now using stainless steel tanks for fermentation and bringing them inside and kind of treating them such where you're seeing all kinds of areas really explode. The Valdepeñas, which is right outside of Madrid, a great place for Granacha, Tempanillo, and things like that. We have a, a great little wine called El Jamón that comes out of that area. Wonderful wine and very pleasant. And the best is they're affordable. They're under about 10 bucks a bottle. So you can, you know, pick up the case, have it around. It's a great go-to wine of all time. So the hook was Spanish wines always had the infrastructure per se. You know, the, they had the vineyards planted all throughout the whole country. And now they have the technology and sort of the vinicultural uh, wherewithal to really promote and really have world-class wines. And the best thing is, since they already had most of that invested, they're never that terribly expensive. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's, you know, the Muggas of the world, which is from Rioja, that can jump up in price. And, you know, the Marquis de Marietta's wines, and uh, the, you know, that can jump up in price. But a lot of times you find Spanish wines very affordable, very approachable, great varietals, easy to drink, goes well with all kinds of meals, whether it is, you know, one of my favorite things was the, the 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 young little pig that they would roast, which was just delicious. Which nowadays, you know, people in the states would freak out about seeing a little baby pig on their plate. But it goes well with anything, whether you're doing a little roasted chicken or just even like a hot dish. The Spanish wines do that well. So there's so many affordable options. You know, another brand we have is El Circo, uh, where you see the Tempanillo, they make a Barlow, a Cabernet, uh, but again, in around the ten dollar range. Very affordable, very drinkable, great wines to have uh, around the house at all times. Now, Ted, Ted Farrell's with us uh, this morning, and your dad speaks about it and your uh, great idea, which uh, was wonderful, and I, I should know this, but do you have any six for 60 going on now at Haskell's? We do. We have all kinds of things going on at Haskell's, Daddy, but we're finishing up. Uh, it's the last weekend of our last fall six for 60, where we do have uh, that LaForge VODA in there. Uh, we also have a little bit of Chardonnay, which is quite good. It's called Red Autumn. But then we have a few other red wines in there, Code de Road and whatnot. And all these wines go so very well with the fall. They're big. They're full. They come on in. You know, Again, try six wines for 60 bucks. You just can't beat it. And it's a great way to just kind of explore the wines. We've had some great success selling these great things. But also on the same side, today starts the first day of the Haskell's Fall Wine Sale. So it's a great time to, again, explore a lot of wines in a lot of the stores. We have tastings going on where it's permitted, you know, and we have all the safety precautions going on. But, you know, it's a great way to try before you want to buy. Come on in, uh, try some of these wines. And, you know, multiple, multiple wines on sale, thousands of wines from across the world, beers, wines, and ciders as well. But, you know, that fall sale kicks off today. So if you're out there and need something to do today, go shop about, load up, and get ready for the fall. Oh, that sounds like a marvelous idea and a great a great weather weekend to, to do just that. Lots of uh, Haskell's locations. You can look them up uh, on the web. And, Ted, always a pleasure. People are already writing in saying, let's go back to Sonoma. So <laughs> start, start packing. <laughs> well, well, now that everything's loosened up, I think, uh, you know, we, we can. We just got to get the, yeah. the powers that be to put the green light on it. Well, let's do it. All right, Ted, always a pleasure. Thanks for checking in today. Appreciate it. 
So long, Daddy. Thank you. Ted Farrell from Haskell's. Right now in the Twin Cities, 67 degrees, possibly a shower, 72 the high later today. Get those lawn and garden questions ready for Smart Garden next hour here on 